Are you on the RCR mailing list? Never miss a beat of the news and hard-hitting stories you've come to know and love. Stay in the loop. Visit realitycheck.radio forward slash email. Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to the Up Your Brave show here with Natalie Cutler-Welsh on Reality Check Radio. My next guest is Faye Lawand, and we are going to be talking about the unexpected link between inner turmoil and chronic health conditions. Welcome, Faye. Hi, Nath. It's so nice to be here. Thank you. It's so good to see you after so, so long. Totally. (laughs) For those of you that don't know Faye, uh, Faye is not your average expert. She's actually a go-to guru for smashing internal conflicts and feeling like yourself again, or for the very first time. Imagine having three burnouts and turning that chaos into a powerhouse of healing wisdom. That's Faye's story. Hailing from the Middle East and having called 13 countries her home, Faye has been around the block and burnout knows no boundaries in her world. So picture this, her first burnout hits on a Caribbean island. You know the place people go to escape stress, not find it. And then the Israeli invasion of Lebanon in 2006 becomes a turning point, sparking Faye's deep dive into the world of internal conflicts. So she's not just any old coach. Faye is a trauma-informed clinical hypnotherapist, stress response regulation expert, and nervous system specialist. So she's got a lot of fancy titles. And if you guys could see her on the video, she's got tons of certificates and degrees on the wall behind her as well. Um, So she's a fan of no meds and no endless medication and definitely no hours of talk therapy. Faye is all about evidence-based methods to kick exhaustion and pain to the curb. Oh, it's so exciting to have you on the show, Faye. It's so nice to be here. And thank you once again for making this happen. Well, I'm excited to hear more about your journey. Like I said, you know, you and I know each other from probably, honestly, six or more years ago. I know we've been messaging over the years, but I haven't actually seen you for so long. Can you give us a little bit more backstory on your journey um, about, you know, how did you come to this place where you've become, you're helping so many people. You've even got this blueprint um, to help people that are going through um, hard times. How did it come to be? Walk us through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, uh, when I was growing up at school and, you know, teachers would ask, what would you like to be when you grow up? I never put up my hand and said, well, when I grow up, I'd like to be an internal conflict resolution expert. I'd like to be a trauma-informed clinical hypnotherapist. I had absolutely no idea what that was, but it was basically a matter of need, a matter of necessity, because isn't that the mother of all invention, Right. Um, around the time, well, it was around, it was in 2006, uh, I was living in the Caribbean and the Caribbean at the time, uh, I was in teaching and training and I really was living the life, um, in, on the beautiful island of Curacao, which is just off the coast of Venezuela. And really it is the place where people go to escape their troubles. And that's where I had my first burnout. And for anybody who's ever experienced burnout or who knows somebody who's experienced burnout, you know that burnout isn't just about a feeling of tiredness, although that's like a very salient and debilitating symptom. Burnout really is a nervous system shutdown where everything stops working optimally and it affects your sleep and your mood and your digestion and your emotional, your ability to emotionally regulate, your ability to think. And it really is an all-encompassing syndrome. And I didn't really know what was going on. And I tried to ignore the symptoms. But anybody who's ever been through anything major, anything chronic, you know that when these symptoms arise, it's your body communicating from your mind that something needs to change, that something is not on track. And if we don't take heed of those body signals over time, we end up in a state of crisis. And this is what happened one day on the way to work. I was a teacher at the time. I completely passed out behind the wheel of the car and the car went spinning and ended up on the other side of the road. I passed out and I had no idea what just happened. And it was petrifying when I came to, I was petrified because of what happened, but also petrified because I didn't know what caused it and petrified about looking deeper 
because I was afraid of what I might uncover. And so I tried to ignore it, but you can't ignore body signals like that. These are cries coming from deep down inside that you need to pay attention and you need to course correct and you need to change something fundamentally and radically in your life. Eventually, with the help of a very dear friend, I went to the doctor to start the journey of discovering what was causing these uh, blackouts. Now, what I didn't know, Nat, back then is there's a statistic uh, that is alarming. And the statistic says that 90%, 90%, this is nine zero, of all visits to doctor's appointments today are due to unexplained causes. So basically what that means is nine out of 10 of us who go to see a doctor because we're not feeling well, we're not feeling okay, we leave without any explanation, medical explanation of what's going on. Now that's just alarming because we're not getting solutions for this for the symptoms that we're experiencing. And so I know can I jump in because yeah. I'm wanting to ask is that because of lack of connection between like holistic health and how things present physically? So is that a gap in doctor knowledge or or is that just that there are so many things that people don't know the source of the problem? I think it's I think it's twofold. I think it is the way the allopathic system is set up, you know, like how traditional like, uh, um, you know, like GP uh, practitioners are trained where the mind and the body are separate and you treat symptoms and you don't treat the whole person. I think that's definitely part of it. I also think what's part of it is with the way the current system is set up, when you have 15 minutes slots to see a doctor, yeah. in 15 minutes, you cannot adequately cover what's going on holistically that is contributing to the symptoms that are so debilitating. And I also think, and this is um, something else that I've come to realize in the past 10 years, there's so much evolution and development around the nervous system and nervous system regulation that a lot of doctors are really not trained in. And really nervous system regulation or dysregulation is where healing and disease lie. And when doctors are not trained in that, uh, they really are missing the difference that makes the difference in people's recovery and people's healing. And the, so when I was in 2006, when that happened, I really was seeking a solution. When, when I started going around to the doctors, it was doctor after doctor after doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, this can't be. Eventually, after eight rounds of doctor's visits, I ended up in the, in the, in the office of a doctor who diagnosed my symptoms as PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and depression. And I immediately rejected both those diagnoses because in my mind, I thought, well, you know, uh, people like me who are optimistic and cheerful and positive can't get depressed. And it's impossible that I have post-traumatic stress disorder because I've never experienced anything traumatic. Now, this is crazy because, you know, I was born in a war zone net. I was born in conflict. I was born in turmoil. And sure, I left the area of conflict early, but my nervous system from an early age was wired and imprinted on chaos and confusion and turmoil. And so it's no surprise that many years later, because of a series of overwhelming life events and life experiences, the body started shutting down and the nervous system started shutting down. And so what really started this journey back in 2006 was with that diagnosis, the only thing on offer was medication, so antidepressants, and um, working like with a, with a psychoanalyst. And it was an immediate no to the medication, an immediate no, because intuitively, intuitively, I knew that that was not the path forward. I knew nothing about what I know now, the mind-body condition. And with the, with the, with the, with the therapy, I thought, well, you know, there is some kind of, uh, uh, you know, merit to what the doctor was saying that there's could be a relationship between, you know, psychological stress and the body. Uh, behaving this way. So I went to two 
two therapy sessions only. And then I never went back because it was every time I'd go, I'd leave, I'd end up feeling worse than when I walked into that office because we're going round and round and round talking about how unhappy I was and how unwell I was feeling. And so that's that was the moment when I decided, well, if I'm not going to take the medication and I'm not going to undertake the therapy, then I need to find another way out of this that doesn't involve these solutions and that is natural and effective and has no side effects and is long-lasting and cost-effective and um, uh, and good for me. And that's when the journey started. So it was very much a matter of reading and researching in order to apply to myself to find uh, relief from the symptoms that were debilitating. But it took it took a while because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't have a system to follow. I didn't have a blueprint. I didn't have a guidance. I didn't have support. So it was very much trial and error. And then eventually, eventually, when all my symptoms cleared and really like life uh, life turned around that I put it all together into a system, uh, the mental health blueprint, in order to help others with debilitating symptoms of poor mental health, exhaustion, and pain, so that they too can find solutions and a way out of this that doesn't involve therapy and medication or even meditation, because those solutions will not help you overcome poor mental health, exhaustion, and pain. The tragic thing is there's There'll be thousands of people around New Zealand, you know, let alone the rest of the world on a similar journey or who have traveled the similar path. Why is it so hard to get access to actual information like this allopathic, allopathic system? I'm so done with it. I really have to say it's time, it's time has come and gone because looking at the body so separate, you know, not looking at the root causes, not looking at the holistic picture. It's just ridiculous. And it really, I mean, honestly, I think all GP clinics should have a sign out the door that just says sponsored by Pfizer. Because (laughs) honestly, transparency. So I think times are changing, which is great. I think it's sad that people like you and thousands of others have to really do their own research and forge their own path to find um, more whole body, you know, holistic options. So what can you share with us today? What are some practical tips or strategies or insights that you can share for anyone who is suffering from some of those things that you just mentioned, the exhaustion, the burnout, um, maybe it's from trauma or turmoil. Yeah. Is there anything specific that people can do to help them head down the path towards health again? Yeah. <clears throat> so um, if I if I may, I'll share the three steps of the of the blueprint, because that may plant seeds of directions in which one can go and start exploring and uncovering what's really uh, driving the system to behave this way. Because now here's something, you know, here's, here's something which is really important to keep in mind. The body knows how to sleep. The body knows how to digest food. The body knows how to regulate hormones. The body knows how to ward off disease and how to ward off viruses. The body knows how to have babies. The body knows how to do all of this. And just because it just seems so normal and so commonplace that bodies in the modern West are not doing that, it doesn't mean it's natural. It's it's not natural at all. And so, and one of the things that happens a lot when we go to allopathic, when we seek allopathic solutions is that they tend to normalize our symptoms. And for me, that's a form of gaslighting. You know, when you're not being, when your journey isn't being honored and isn't being validated in the way that you're presenting it. And so what took me 16 years to uncover are three really important steps in overcoming these conditions. The first one is supporting the nervous system. This is so important. And we're talking about the nervous system. We're talking about the autonomic nervous system. So that's like the automated part of our neurology that basically secretes our hormones and our enzymes and our glands and is also the part of our neurology that regulates our stress responses because all of these chronic conditions at the root of them is chronic stress. You know, we're always told stress is a killer. That's not true. That it's actually, we can get into how the um, how the uh, um, the tobacco companies actually, uh, through their corruption, 
made us believe that stress is a killer in order to sell their cigarettes. But actually, stress is not the killer. It's chronic stress that's the killer. So the autonomic nervous system basically regulates our stress uh, our stress responses. It regulates our relaxation responses. So it's super important to support the nervous system. And we can talk about ways to do that as we go on. The second step in the three-step mental health blueprint is to resolve the inner turmoil. Basically, that is root cause therapy. It is getting to what initially draw what life experiences, what life events, what overwhelming experiences, what adverse childhood experiences, what traumatic experiences actually led the system to a place of shutdown, to a place of frozen response. Because without actually bringing the system out of that frozen response, we do not stand a chance of healing Uh, and resolving these chronic conditions. So the second step is overcoming inner turmoil. And that's why what I do is called internal conflict resolution. You've got to resolve the inner mess and the inner chaos in order for your life to be the life that you want, one of calm and health and confidence and feeling in control. And the third step in the mental health blueprint is eliminating chronic stress. It's not managing stress. This is one of the other myths that is out there. When you go to the doctors, they say, oh, you know, how are your stress levels? You need to manage your stress. Well, you know, no, you don't need to manage stress because really stress isn't problematic. You need stress. I mean, stress is a mobilizing is a mobilizing response. You, We would not be able to be where we are today if it weren't for stress. So it's not stress that's a villain. The villain is the chronic stress. It's that constant biology of stress hormones that eventually debilitates the system and creates systems to start shutting down. That's what needs to be eliminated. And part of eliminating the chronic stress is educating ourselves on the 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 advantages of stress and the new science of stress because there's a lot of research now uh since like 2009 2010 out of Stanford University through the work of Kelly McGonigal and her colleague Alia Crum around the new science of stress and the new stress responses and how with our mindset, we can actually channel the stress hormones that are secreted during stressful situations to produce a different biology that is more resourceful for us so that the body isn't constantly churning these stress hormones that over time can really wear down the system. So again, those three steps of the mental health blueprint to overcome these chronic conditions is support the nervous system, overcome inner turmoil, and eliminate chronic stress. Yeah. I mean, you make it sound doable, but it also sounds like a bit of a journey. Is it a journey? Is it like a a certain process and do we need to do them in order? Well, I mean, it's uh look, it's a, it's um, it's not a quick fix, but it is uh, extremely efficient, extremely rapid, extremely effective. And now because I've perfected it over the years, it's actually has become quite pale, fail, uh, fail proof. Uh, yes, it does require commitment. Uh, it does require an investment of time and energy and dedication. And usually it does not take more than three months. Honestly, not if you're doing it in a, in a sequential way and you're doing it with the right resources, the right structure, the right guidance and the right accountability. The longest I actually ever work with somebody is three months. Now, in my case, it took me years to come out on the other side because I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was mm. kind of making it up as I go, as I went along. But now that everything is systemized, it now is a maximum of a three, of a three step of a three month process. Now, to your question about does it matter? Does the order matter? I would say yes and no. But if you want to fast track the process, I would say start with supporting the nervous system, because really at the heart of all of these issues is a dysregulated nervous system. Of course, it gets dysregulated, the system, because of the inner turmoil and because of chronic stress. 
And of course, you want to eliminate the chronic stress. And of course, you want to conquer the inner turmoil. But the fastest, surest way to do that is to start by really supporting the nervous system. What do we mean by that? What we mean by that is actually teaching the nervous system the physiology of safety, like teaching the the body that actually it is safe. Because the only way that the nervous system freaks out and goes into these frozen shutdown states is if it perceives that there is threat or danger. And that threat or danger can either be real or imaginary. And Mm -hmm. for us in the West, now, of course, if you were talking to somebody in the Middle East, that danger is very actual. It is an actual life-threatening danger. It's a very real threat and a very real danger. So the physiology, the physiology of danger and the physiology of stress that is created right now in these war zones is very different to the physiology of stress hormones that is created for us here sitting in New Zealand, right? We are not facing life-threatening, uh, life-threatening situations. I would say for the most of us listening to this, um, to this uh, channel. And so there is something else going on internally. And usually it's like an emotional threat or an emotional or an emotional stress that then is triggering the same biology of stress internally. And if we don't teach the body that actually it is safe, the body will continue to be in that bracing state, in that bracing mode. And over time, we'll go into chronic frozen, frozen uh, shutdown states. So part of supporting the nervous system is creating the physiology of safety. And that's always where I start, always. And for your listeners, whether you decide to do this work with me or with any other practitioner, I would really encourage you to start with with that safe space, creating the safe space. That's a way to really anchor you, ground your nervous system and to fast track the process. But part of supporting the nervous system as well, uh, Nat is also regulating regulating our circadian rhythms. It's regulating our biology. You know, it's looking at things like, you know, our sleep, our circadian rhythms. It's looking at things like, you know, our zinc levels, our vitamin D levels, our iron levels, our magnesium levels. It's- oh, it just, I'm just thinking. Imagine if the government had mentioned these things over the past four years. Yeah, well, well, I mean, because because this is very cost effective. This is the thing. They're not going to be able, like nobody's going to profit from this. I know. I just had to mention that. Profit other, other than you, other than us. That's, those are the only people that will want is us. Carry on. I just had to throw that in. I couldn't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but also part of supporting the biology is uh Examining your relationship, but supporting the nervous system uh, through regulating biology is also looking at your relationship with alcohol, your relationship with coffee, your relationship with certain foods, certain allergens. And also part of supporting the nervous system is, and this is crucial, is uh, activating the inner, the body's inner calm. Now, what do I mean by that? It's not like, you know, having a glass of wine or having a bath or getting a massage or binge watching Netflix. Like, those are more like, they're more like leisurely activities. They're not relaxation. What I mean by activating the body's inner calm is doing things that will quite literally shift the nervous system from a place of stress to a place of relaxation. So it's activating the relaxation response, basically. And, um, and that's, that's like hitting the, hitting the brick. That really is hitting the brake. If stress is hitting the gas pedal, relaxation is hitting the brake. And when we get into the habit of consistently hitting the brake through our day, through our week, and through our lifetime, then there's no reason for the nervous system to become dysregulated. But what happens is that over time, there's an accumulation of stress hormones. We don't do anything in order to downregulate. Eventually, the system runs out of fuel and it goes into shutdown mode. I was just thinking about people that say, oh, I'm an active relaxer. Have you heard that term? I'm what an, is an active I'm relaxer? An, I'm an active relaxer. And, and what, sometimes what that means is it's a fancy way of saying multitasking, kind of. But they'll be um, watching TV, but then they'll be yes. like also kind of scrolling on the social media, which a lot of people do, but the multi-screen thing. But the active relaxer, well, they're not really relaxing. <laughs> oh. They're because, still doing something. Yeah. 
because relaxation, you know, and here's the thing, like you'll know. So when we're talking about like re- like relaxation, this is how you know that uh, an activity is relaxing. First of all, is that it slows down that you're not using brain power. It slows down, quite literally slow down, slows down your brainwave frequencies. Like otherwise an activity is not relaxing. So this is why watching Netflix is not relaxing because, you know, your, your mind is still, your brain is still in beta, you know? Um, the other thing about, um, about uh, an activity or an experience being relaxing is to what extent does it relieve tension from your physical body, emotionally and from your mind? And so, yes, this is why like a massage can be uh, for a short period of time relaxing because it really releases tension from the muscles. But if there's still emotional tension or mental tension, you're not going to f- reap the full benefits of a system being a relaxation mode where you're living your life with calm and confidence as a default, right? Because you can be on that massage table Either you're passed out from exhaustion or your mind is still racing. You could still be planning your menu, planning the day ahead. You could still be ruminating. So that's not real relaxation. So relaxation really is what we do in order to relieve tensions from the body, the emotions, and the mind. And some of the most effective ways to do that are using the body. So for example, vagus nerve exercises incredibly powerful anything embodied any embodied practices qigong slow flow yoga i'm not talking power vinyasa or vinyasa like that's terrible that actually can be injurious but we're talking about like really embodied practices where your mind is in your body as you're moving your body and the energy is flowing through your body um uh and any type of somatic practice is that's how you activate the relaxation response and somatic practices are basically now the proven methods for resolving trauma because as we know trauma isn't in the event it's not what happens to you so trauma wasn't the mandates we say the mandates were traumatic well i mean they were horrible but that's not what creates as the system going into trauma. It's how we felt inside internally about the mandates. That's what the trauma is. Um, and so somatic practices now are been proven as the way to resolve uh, trauma and to bring the body back to that place of calm and ease. Well, I think that's a, that's a great reminder for all of us is just there are so many different ways that we can bring our body back to that state of peace and calm and ease. And so for me, for example, sitting in my hot tub, I would consider that to be very relaxing for me. You can, I'm welcome for you to prove me wrong, but like sitting in my hot tub. So my body's relaxing the warmth. I love being warm. I I'm, I'm I get really cold sometimes. So I love being warm. I'm outside in nature in my yard. So I'm like, I feel you know, safe. I feel like it's just like a sanctuary and I'm not on my tech and I'm not listen even yeah. listening to a podcast or anything like that. I'm yeah. literally just, so it's does moment. that, would that be a good one for me? Yeah. And it, you're, you're in, you're in the moment, you know, it's, there is nothing, it's not prescriptive. Here's the thing that it's yeah. not prescriptive. And, and often I'm like, by myself, which I love as well. Yeah. And it looks like different things for different people. And it looks like different things for different days and different seasons yeah. of our lives. And uh, anytime you're slowing down and you're doing the opposite of doing or thinking, that very much would qualify for relaxation because you're bringing that balance, you know, you're bringing the yin back to the yang, the youngness of our lives. And one other thing that I forgot, which is really important about activating the body's inner calm is working with the breath. But, you know, here's the thing, like working with the breath can be a little bit, um, um, uh, um, it's very open-ended. So if you work with a, with the breath in a way that is overly stimulating, you can actually be, uh, um, uh, over, overstimulating your nervous system more than required. And so my, my two f- favorite practices for working with the breath are very simple. The first one is actually just breath literacy is actually just acknowledging, becoming aware that your body is breathing. 
I mean, there is nothing more powerful than connecting with the part of you that is keeping you alive through respiration. And it's just actually the body is breathing in, the body is breathing out. Not even I'm breathing in, I'm breathing out because you're not breathing in. Your body is breathing in for you and your body is breathing out for you. And the second simple breath practice to really activate the relaxation response is uh, one that actually promotes heart rate variability and that's equalizing your breath. So as an example, you inhale to the count of two and you exhale to the count of two. If that's too much and you feel that, uh, because it could be too much, you know, initially if your breath is very shallow, two might be too much, then you go to one and one. And if, and then eventually you build up as much as as much capacity as you have without holding the breath, feeling dizzy or feeling nauseous. Because working with the breath should never, ever, ever feel traumatic. You should Mm. never feel nauseous when working with the breath. You should feel really peaceful, calm, and light. And so those would be my other two practices to, to activate the body's inner calm If you've just joined us, I'm talking to Faye Lawand all about the unexpected link between inner turmoil and chronic health conditions. For those of you that have been listening, I would love to know what's resonated for you, but especially I would love to know, I'd love for you to bring to mind a chronic health condition that you might have. Not everyone has one, but I imagine most people have something physical that is ongoing. Um, So bring something to mind and maybe some of these Uh, strategies that Faye is sharing with us can help head you in the right direction. You can send us a text, let us know what's resonating, 2057 on the text, or email inbox at realitycheck.radio. Tell us more, Faye, about um, the inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. So we talked about maybe some traumatic event that had happened. By the way, you're the second person I've met um, who, or the second person I know who's blacked out at the wheel. I know someone else who did that too. And I'm sure there's and many more. If you yeah. think about it, if you actually think about it, um, it's an it's an external representation of what's going on inside. Things are so chaotic, they're so out of control on the inside. Eventually, that gets reflected on the outside. And this piece of overcoming the inner turmoil it, it needs to happen if you want to overcome chronic conditions and mental health issues, like without it, nothing else is actually going to take you the distance. You can work with supporting the nervous system. You can work with, you know, stress management, but until you resolve what initially drove the body to that overproduction of stress hormones, the body will keep recreating those symptoms for Mm. you. So let me just give you an example. So how how I came to uncover this. I mean, I uncovered this piece about overcoming the inner turmoil when I had my second burnout. So my second burnout uh, came at the age of 40. I was at this point, I had moved to Dubai. That's where I met my gorgeous Kiwi husband, and which is why I ended up here in New Zealand. And um, I had my second burnout there. I was working in a super toxic work environment, super, super, super toxic. And also, you know, I was an Arab woman. I don't think I actually, I don't think when I, 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 I don't think I mentioned to your audience that I was actually born in a war zone. And that's an important piece about uh, how I came to uncover the importance of overcoming the inner turmoil. So actually, I was born in Lebanon right before the start of the civil war in 1975. And we left the, the area of conflict early, like very early. I was uh, um, about five and a half when we left. Uh, so I didn't experience consciously the war uh, with a lot of memory, with a lot of conscious memory. And the story I always, the narrative that I grew up with, which eventually ended up being my belief system, is we left the war zone early. We left the conflict early. We're unaffected by the conflict. Now, what I didn't know until much later, until I had my second burnout, is that, yes, we had left the physical place of conflict early, but those internal patterns of confusion and stress and chaos carried with me 
over the span of my lifetime. And I took them with me as we moved from country to country. I mean, eventually we ended up immigrating to Canada. There's no conflict or confusion in Canada. There's no war in Canada. I mean, in the 80s, it was a place of peace, a beacon of peace, Canada, right? In the 80s and the 90s. But on the inside, there was so much, so many imprints of confusion and trauma and overwhelm and uh, and chaos. And eventually it all caught up with me when I, uh, you know, in my, when I turned 40. So in my second burnout, uh, I was in Dubai in a very toxic work environment. And also I was a single woman, a single Arab woman living in the midst of the Middle East no children, a career in shambles, and no marital prospects. And so I truly believe that there was something very, very wrong with me. And here's the thing about emotional toxicity, that anybody suffering with a chronic condition has emotional toxicity. When you think there's something wrong with you, your body will will show you that. And my body ended up showing me that because my body presented um, precancerous cells. And when that happened, that was my biggest, biggest wake up call beyond, beyond the burnout symptoms to do, to really, really get serious about my health and about my mental well being. That summer that the body produced, reproduced, um, produced precancerous cells was the same summer that my mother was diagnosed with cancer and my maternal aunt died of cancer. So for me, I knew if I didn't do something radically different, the pathway, the trajectory of my future was looking quite grim. So this is when I got really serious about digging into root causes, like what really causes, like really what contributes to that, like beyond diet, beyond, you know, genes, beyond lifestyle, like what what really contributes to these terminal conditions, these debilitating conditions. And that's when I came across... uh, uh, the subconscious mind. And I don't know about you, Nat. I don't know, you know, if what you're in your journey, what it's been like. But for me in my journey, anytime something really important and transformational, uh, when I encounter something really important or transformational, the minute that I hear the word, I actually feel a resonance in my body. The first time I heard that word, the subconscious mind, I was 40. And I felt something so powerful in my body, like that holds the promise for the relief that I'm looking for. And when I started listening and digging more into the subconscious mind, it's the part of the mind that is the storehouse of all of our emotions and all of our memories, but also the part of our mind that actually runs our body, the part of the mind that beats our heart and breathes our lungs, and how the two can actually uh, influence one another I thought, oh my God, I need to explore this further. And so I um, booked in to go see a therapist, a hypnotherapist. And um, she basically did for me what I now do for my clients. She didn't do it very well though, which is why it took me so long to get better. She instructed my subconscious mind to go to the very first time in my life that is responsible for all of the chronic conditions in my present life when I was 40. And the mind is very compliant. eh? The subconscious mind is very compliant and very obedient because it is there to serve you. It actually has your back. It actually wants you to thrive, not just survive, to thrive. So it complied. It went back, traveled all the way back to the time that I was about five and a half years old when we're fleeing the war zone. And, um, this is in hypnotherapy. The mind showed me it was about 2 a.m. in the morning and we were leaving to the airport. I was like five and a half at the time. My little brother was like three. My little sister was one and a half. And it was my my father was caught outside the country. Um, so here's this young woman fleeing with three small kids, fleeing a war zone, you know. Um, and the airport was about 35 minutes from home, about 10 minutes after leaving the house the bombs started, bombs and snipers overhead. And my mom, this is this is in hypnosis, my mind is showing me, my mom in the memory, in order to keep us children safe, she puts all of our heads underneath the seats of the car. Now, in that moment, the memory in the memory is I can't breathe. So the, the, the body thought that it was dying, it was choking. 
And the body went into survival mode from the time that I was five. And that cycle had not completed. The, the body never got a signal that actually it is safe and the danger is over. So it kept producing and reproducing the biology of alarm and threat over the course of my life until the age of 40, until somebody told it, instructed it, that actually that time is over, that turmoil is over, it's in the past, and you're safe now, and it's okay to move on. And let me tell you, after that, um, after that uh, session with the, with, uh, in the, in the hypnotherapist's office, I completely dismissed, I completely dismissed what the mind produced, what the memory that the mind produced, because I thought very, very, very misguidedly that, um, you know, problems in our current life have their solutions lie in the current life. They have nothing to do with what happened earlier in the past. That is the biggest, that is the biggest load of baloney because how could the things earlier on in our lives not imprint where we are today? It took me six months actually to acknowledge that that event could very much be the root cause of all the other difficulties and challenges and chronic conditions that I was facing. And six months later, I got serious about doing the work properly. And once I did the work properly, the symptoms all disappeared, Not all of them, quite quickly, actually, quite quickly. And then not only did the physical symptoms disappear, but then my life turned around, you know, I was able to, you know, build a beautiful relationship with my husband. I found fulfillment in my job, in my career, in my life. I was able to set up a business that is that I feel is meaningful and, you know, that has purpose and meaning. And I honestly feel like healthier and happier at 53 than I did when I was in my 20s and my 30s and my early 40s. And I really attribute that to that deep inner work of clearing out all of the weeds that were really getting in the way of uh, of um, of flourishing the way that I that I wanted my life to flourish. Yeah, so root cause therapy is at the heart of overcoming inner turmoil. And I imagine for some of our listeners, this will be a bit of an aha moment because some people will have heard of that getting to the root cause and going going back to the early stage. Um, with someone who's trained to help you guide you through. And other people might not have heard of anything like that. So this might be an aha for people. And I just want to remind people, correct me if I'm wrong, that it doesn't have to be such a traumatic event that Faye experienced. It doesn't have to be that you were fleeing a war zone. I mean, that's pretty extreme, but it can be something that doesn't seem like a big deal at all, right? Yes. But your like, body oh, still remembers it. Yes. And here's the thing, like well, a lot of people, when I share my story with them, they either relate to it or not. They say, oh, you know, but I've never lived through a war. And here's the irony of it, that even though I lived through a war, but then it was constantly, we'd go back to Lebanon and we'd get caught up in the war zone, we'd get caught up in the conflict and we'd have to flee. So this was like a lifetime of these episodes happening. So even with all of that, Nat, I completely dismissed any notion that I've ever experienced trauma because in my mind, trauma is like molestation, rape, kidnapping, or, or abuse. And of course, these are the biggest expressions of trauma. It's what I call big T trauma. Mm -hmm. But as you rightfully pointed out, uh, trauma is anything that overwhelms us that is uh, that doesn't involve something dramatic. It could be being bullied. It could be a horrible breakup. It could be experiencing what we all experienced during the mandates. It could be a financial difficulty. Uh, it could be, you know, uh, having um, uh, having uh, being in a, in a relationship with a narcissist or being gaslit. All of these will create an internal feeling of dis-ease that will change the internal chemistry and the internal biochemistry. So I suppose the good news is that it's never too late to, if someone is brave enough or, or um, focused enough to do some work in this area, it's never too late to 
release, I guess, yourself of that burden uh, and and release if that's the right word, the inner turmoil, and hopefully, therefore, the chronic health condition. And that is definitely the pathway to releasing and overcoming chronic conditions is to overcome the reason why the body got there in the first place, which is basically the inner turmoil. And it is never too late because of the neuroplasticity, you know, the Mm. neuroplasticity of the brain and the nervous system means that as long as we have a an uh, uh, an operational brain, an operational gray matter, we always have the capacity in order to change what's happening uh, mentally. So much to think about and um, some aha moments, I think, for some of our listeners. Faye, hey. I'd love to know from you, what is one thing you've done in the past year uh, where you truly upped your brave? <laughs> okay, it may sound... Uh, it's not, I don't know how, uh, for me, it was, um, it strengthened, it basically strengthened my, uh, my internal um, uh, uh, muscle of keeping a promise to myself, which then in turn made me, gave me like a sense of mental strength. And that is that I quit alcohol on New Year's Eve, 2022. <laughs> and I went for uh, over a hundred days. So I made a commitment to myself to uh, not have any alcohol for a hundred days. And I did 106 days. And for me, other than the health benefits that came with it, the most important part of that was saying to myself, I'm going to do something, keeping myself accountable and keeping a promise to myself, even when things were, you know, like really uh, tempting, like on New Year's Eve or like when we went to Rarotonga. But um, yeah, I just feel so much better for it. And are you proud of yourself for that too? Yes. And now now, now I'm doing a, a dry November and possibly going through till the end of the year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. What about uh, what's on your bucket list? Anything you'd love to do, be, or experience in your lifetime and something maybe that we can help you with? On my bucket list, uh, my bucket list mostly involves uh, travel experiences and travel destinations. Uh, and uh, we're very much setting up our lifestyle and our lives in order to be do, to in order to be able to do that and to live across multiple uh, worlds. Uh, but in terms of um, something else that's on my bucket list is to be interviewed by <laughs> two of my favorite journalists, even though they're mainstream journalists, are uh, John Campbell and Ryan Gosling. I really enjoy their manner and their interview style. Is Ryan and- Gosling a, a a host? Isn't he an actor? He's the one, isn't he the one of, um, am I mispronouncing his last name? He's on The Breakfast Show, uh, the dark-haired guy. I just think he's he's got a great manner, great edge uh, from The Breakfast Show. Okay, so, okay, from AM I don't know show. if anybody in your community knows them, I would love to be interviewed by them. <laughs> okay, well, we'll put it out there if anyone knows Ryan, who's not Ryan Gosling, but hey, he can interview you too. Um or maybe John Campbell, they can, they yes, can connect John you. Campbell. Well, you know what? I would love to see um, the meet them. I did get a few of my clients back in the day onto the AM show, speaking about a little bit of holistic health and, you know, a yeah. little bit of getting some of this stuff in on there. I even had one of my clients talking at one point about um, masks. This is before they did oh. the crackdown on, on masks. So we got a little bit in there, but Hey, if they're, if they're open to talking to someone about the root cause of, of health conditions, then I say, bring it on. Definitely. Yeah. Amazing. What is coming up for you in the next six months? It sounds like you're doing some traveling. What else is coming up in terms of your your business or your personal journeys? um, And how can people connect with you online? Uh, Yes. Now, thanks for asking. So um, social media is just my name, Fela Wand, across all the platforms. Um, Same thing for my website. Uh, I have a, a few free offerings coming up before the end of the year. One of them actually is about... A, a three-step guide to resolving uh, trauma, because this is absolutely key to resolving chronic conditions. I also have another uh, free event before the end of the year about decoding dreams, uh, because working with dreams is truly transformational uh, to living the life uh, that you want. And I also have in the new year, a 66-day um, um, a program to help you activate your body's inner calm. So all of these things that we talked about, which are foundational in supporting the nervous system, 
to overcome these chronic conditions. Together, we'll be walking through it in a 66-day sequence. I think activating your inner calm. Well, all of those will be really, uh, you know, different strokes for different folks, but I love the idea of the dream one. That would be, I'll be like, yep. And other people will definitely be be into the one about the calm. How do we find these? So um, my email list. So maybe if you just send me uh, an email on on social media, uh, so Instagram, LinkedIn, um, uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, it's just my name, Fela Wand, or shoot me an email and uh, I'll add you to my list. Amazing. So I'm going to spell it for everyone again. So it's F-A-Y-E, Lawand, L-A-W-A-N-D, correct? Yes. And actually, if um, your listeners would like, I actually have a 30-day nervous system well-being calendar that gives you 30 different tips, micro tips on how to support your nervous system, which is that foundational step that we talked about. And um, I'm very happy to make that available as well to your uh, listeners. Shall I send you the link? That sounds great. So what we'll do is you, if you send me the link, because we're obviously on the radio, we're audio only, I will put the link on the replay page and everyone, I will also put the link. um, And on the same week that this, this airs, I'll put the link on my Facebook page. And that's pretty easy to find as well. Up your brave with Natalie Cutler Welsh. And I'll put that on there with a photo of you and me and I'll have the link and and that'll be awesome. (laughs) That's so generous of you. Thank you. What I really love about that is giving our listeners some actionable tools or strategies or things that they can do to implement some of the things that you've highlighted to us today. What else would you love to share with our audience before we wrap things up? Oh, I um, I just want to say, Natalie, thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the world. I think it's so important to have these brave conversations and to come together as a community to support our bravery muscles, right? Because really, I mean, the power of community is everything. And I think we discovered that over the past three or four years. And really, I think the only way that we can forge forward with the type of future that we all want is with a community that embraces these values. Well, thank you for, thank you for those um, compliments. You know, I love, I love doing this. I love to speak. I love speaking to people like you and I love the concept of flexing our bravery muscles. Yes, indeed. Totally. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Faye. Is there anything else you want to mention before we go? No, thank you so much for having me. It was really lovely to connect with you and with your audience. So good to see you again. And thank you everyone for listening. Thanks for tuning in to RCR, Reality Check Radio. Do you like what you're listening to or dislike what you're listening to? Either way, we want to hear from you. Get in touch with us now. You can text us with your message to 2057. That's 2057. Or email us at inbox at realitycheck.radio. We'd love to hear from you, so connect with us today.